in our live broadcast yesterday that was Simple Face on WBCI. We had a great time and a great guest, thanks to Jeremy, who found him. And, uh, you know, um, you know, he lived and was raised here in Lewiston. Um, his mom was a prostitute, and his father was her pimp. And he did not know the love, not from anybody. And he, and he brought up with hate and anger. Uh, he was, they were prejudiced toward him and, and called him the N-word and, and all of those things. And he said, you know, I, I, it was just a horrible thing. And I was selling drugs and shooting heroin and all those things, he said. And, and he said, but you know, I found the love of Jesus. And, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, we need to spread this love. It needs to be contagious in us. Not spread it because it's something to do. Spread it because it flows out of our bellies. That's what God said. He said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. And when I look at that flow, it is the flow of the Holy Ghost. Last night, my wife and I spent several hours just looking at the Welchville Revival in, in, in England and and two th and uh, and 1904 to 1906, actually it went on for three years. I mean the bar rooms were closed. In fact, one man, one bartender, well he owned the bar. He only had one drinking customer left, and he was so angry. And he said they were out there singing the power of the blood and 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 things like that. You know, just revival. And he got mad and took some beer bottles out and threw them. And he offended the one drunker that he had, and he went out and joined him. <laughs> You know what? When you <laughs> and he had nobody left. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see God move by his power again? Yes, amen. But you know, he delegates that to us. Are we willing to get filled with the Holy Ghost? I think of those men in Welchville, you know, and, and, and they didn't know how to say it or anything. And all they would say, this young man, he said, bend us, Lord, bend us. And, 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 you know, he just had a hunger. You know, he prayed for, I think it was five years without seeing any results. You know, some of us would pray 20 minutes. Say, oh, I guess the Lord ain't in it. <laughs> I'll go do something else. It was 11. 11 years. Amen. 11 years. 11 years. He prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed, Lord, bend us. Lord, bend us. Before the revival began. And the one thing that through the revival uh, we learned is there's three graces. There's the grace of salvation, the grace of sanctification, and the grace of the Holy Ghost. The grace of the Holy Ghost. And that's where Pentecost was, was born. It came to this country in 1901. Before the Welchville revival in Topeka, Kansas, the revival began to break out. And, and there was a great revival, but it was, it was a black man that, w that was in the Topeka, Kansas, and he got filled, and he, went, he, and he took it to California. So what the Topeka, Kansas did is they, they spread it, you know, locally, but when he took that to California, and he began, they said he was the humblest man that ever lived. They tried to offend him. They tried to tell him that, you know, because you're a black man, you can't do this or that. And they said, but they couldn't offend him. He was just given wholly to the Lord. Hallelujah. And he was so focused on God that the, that the Azusa Street Revival through him spread throughout the whole world. And people began to speak in tongues. People began to get infilled with the Holy Ghost and with the power.
We need to study our heritage. We need to realize that there's something real about this. And I want you to know that with organizations like the Church of God, their, their, their churches were burned to the ground because they said that what they were doing was crazy. But that's not, not new. During the Reformations, both Reformations before Azusa Street, there was also criticism and those that wanted to stop it because there were a lot of men that were clergy that really didn't know him. You know, the Bible says that many shall come in my name and say, haven't we not done great things in your, you know, in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. Let me just share something right there just for a minute, if I would. You can come into religion. You can study religion. Because you know what religion? It, 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 is, a, it is a creed or a dogma set up in a systematical form. And th there's nothing wrong with religion, but religion doesn't get you to heaven. Paul said that all the religion you need is this. He said to, keep, to, to visit the widows and the fatherless in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. In other words, consecration. But what we need to understand and realize in this is what he said is, I never knew you. You know, that word know is a very intimate word. It's like a husband and a wife knowing one another intimately. He said, I never knew you. In other words, yes, you came into the religion. You learned the system. You learned how to, how to manipulate. You even learned how to work your way up the ranks. But you never knew me. Oh, I'm going to tell you something right now. We need to know him. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. Do we know him? I don't know why I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying to us, Bob, do you know me? Do you know me? You see, that's, that's, that's the thing. We, we get into religion, we can get cold. He said, he said to the church of Laodicea, he said, I say these things, but this one thing I have against you. You've lost your first love. He didn't say, you've lost your love. He didn't say you lost your love. He said, you've lost that first love. How many women have said that to your husband? <laughs> We've all heard it. Amen. How come you don't, you don't love me the way you're used to? I mean, how come you don't hug me? Or how come you don't, you know, and we men, we sometimes, you, you know what, whatever. I'm not going to get into male-female thing. But what I am saying is, is what Jesus is saying, just like what your wife says to you. Do you love me like you used to? I remember my wife, I used to, I'd stand in a phone booth and it was like 20, Degrees below zero. I know some of you don't know what a phone booth is. <laughs> but I'm back in that day. And just telling her how much, how much I love her. And freeze to death doing it. Because there was a warmth in my heart that was greater than the cold that was outdoors. If I could find another phone booth, I, need, I owe it to you. <laughs> I don't know if I'd find one. But... What I am trying to tell you is Jesus is saying, this one thing I have against you, Laodicea, you've lost your first love. 
He didn't say you don't love me. But you don't love me the way you used to love me. Oh, we need to fall in love with him. Over and over. We need to fall in love with him. We need to focus so on him. I'll tell you what can cause us to be lukewarm is we begin to look at the troubles around us. Habakkuk said this, and, and, and I, I think I just want to, I'm going to do something all different today. And, and I, w- I want to get back here to look at the attitude of Habakkuk. Habakkuk had a vision from the Lord, and, and the Lord said, you know, he said, uh, and there's a couple verses here that really stuck to me. Yea, also he transgresses by wine. How many know that addictions are so prominent today it's the biggest issue i think in our communities and brother i still want you to say don't you give up on that brother oh lord we want that anointing but but he says this he said uh, yea also because the trans because he transgresseth by wine he is a proud man neither keepeth at home who enlargeth his desire as hell and as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth it upon him upon all people. But what you realize in this is that when we get into addictions, you got to do more and more and more until you're not coming home anymore. You're, you're totally given to the flesh. And then he says over here, he said, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunk also, that thou mayest look upon his nakedness. Are we not living in that day? But you know what Habakkuk said? When God gave him that vision, in Habakkuk 3, in verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the year. In the midst of the year, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. In other words, in the the anger that the Lord has kindled toward this word, he said, remember thy mercy. You see, we need to learn how to rejoice even in the darkest of times. We need to have a right attitude. And I've said before, our attitude determines our altitude, not our aptitude. Now, a lot of people are running after the aptitude. Oh, I'm getting intelligent. I'm getting smart. You know what Paul said? He said, I count all my learning as dung when it compares with knowing him. That doesn't mean that learning isn't important. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're not saying that, but when it substitutes my relationship, the Bible says that the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives it life. 
How many know we need the Spirit today like never before? We Pentecostals got to wake up. We got to pray for deliverance. I'll tell you this right now that, you know, what, what, we, what churches are doing today, let me tell you what they're doing. It's kind of like that story of the man that was going hiking with his best friend. And it was very rough terrain, and, and, and he took a pair of sneakers with him, and his friend looked at him and says, what do you need those in rough terrain? So we might see a bear. And his friend snickered and said, you can't outrun a bear. He said, I know I can't outrun a bear. I only got to outrun you. I'm afraid today, a lot of times what we do in the church, if I put on a better program, I'll get people from the assemblies. If we can just get the right thing going here, we can gain people. But what have we gained when Christians are just moving from one place to another? You know, the, the, he didn't say, go ye out and find Christians and bring them in. In fact, remember, uh, it was James and, and, and John, they were out, and they found these guys preaching in the name of Jesus, and they said to them, they said, follow us. Because they felt like they had the edge. You ever know church that think they have the edge? Get to belong to this church. Amen. Follow us, and they wouldn't. So they rebuked them, and they went back, and they told Jesus. They said, "We found these men preaching in your name, and they would not follow us." So we rebuked them, and he says, "If they're for us, they're not against us. We're not out to pro- uh, proselytize Christians. We're out to win souls." Amen. And I'll tell you right now, like what Whitefield said there in the Second Reformation. Whitefield was, they said they could hear his voice a mile away. In fact, it was um, Benjamin Franklin that actually did a study. and And he documented that they could hear Whitefield's voice a mile away. Whitefield was criticized by the by 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 the uh, Harvard and Yale and other prestigious religious schools. They were criti- they criticized it because they said it's sacrilegious to go out in a cow pasture and have a service. I, you see, whenever you're doing something different, people oh no no that isn't the way it is. You know, uh, older folk. You know, they, 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 they learn because, I don't know if anybody's ever seen them, but it's like a long handle with a cage, and you open it up and put a piece of toast in it, and you can stick it over a fire. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you have toasted a marshmallow? Who's got the patience to brown it without burning it? <laughs> I just put it in there and let it go and make a torch out of it and blow it out and eat it. But what you realize is a lot of older folk, because it was almost impossible to toast that piece of bread without, without singeing it, that they gained or developed a taste for burnt toast. I remember hearing one lady, burn my toast on purpose. That's the way I like it. 
I think sometimes in religion, you know, we, this is the way we've always done it, and this is the way it ought to be, and, and, and that's the way it, it should be. Well, with Whitefield, he did something different. But you know, one thing that Whitefield did, he'd have thousands to come out to him, and he looked at them and said, I can present the gospel, but only the Holy Spirit can change you. One will, water, one will plant, one will water, but only God is going to give the increase. And so we, we, we realize in this is that we've been through reformations in this country. We've been through Azusa Street. We've seen the fire of God there in that very humble building. And what the Lord is saying, will you have a right attitude? In Psalms 104, say, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made, that the Lord, did you hear about, that the Lord hath made. Did you know that, this is the day, this is, did you hear Fox, this is, that the Lord hath made, that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Bend us, O Lord. You see, how is your countenance when you're at work? Are you focused on all the evils that the company's doing? Or are you focusing on Jesus and, and being like Stephen? The Bible said when they looked upon his face, he shone as an angel. Woo! My brother was just talking to me about the military and the prejudice that he faced in the military. And you know what? It's around and there's stupid people everywhere. But I'm not going to focus on stupid people. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to walk with Jesus. There's always stupid people. Being grateful. Being grateful is a feeling. It means feeling pleased and relieved. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. The feeling of being pleased and relieved at the opportunity to experience his presence is manifest. I thought yesterday that man in his testimony, brother, was so terrible what he had to go through, what he was brought up in. You know, every baby needs to be swaddled. See, when you swaddle a baby, baby, they feel like they're still in the womb. They feel secure. But many babies are never swaddled. Many babies are just tossed aside as, a, as, as an inconvenience to be brought up on the street to be urchins. I think of Ralph Rogers and, and his support, over $100,000 he's given to Hope. Hope is a ministry that is down in Brazil. And Hope takes kids off the streets. 
the kids on the streets, they shoot them like rats. There's, they, 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 as far as they're concerned, they're a deterrent. They're, they're nothing more than, than those that, uh, uh, that are just going to steal. And you know what? If I was hungry enough, I'd probably steal. If I was hungry enough, if I was suffering enough, if I was unloved enough. But they seem as rats or rodents. But this ministry, Hope, takes them off the streets and gives them an education and clothes them and, and gives them a home and, and helps them. You, you see what I'm saying? Because Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. The brother said to me yesterday, he said, you know something, brother, what we have in common? He said, both of our bloods are red. There's always going to be hate. I was speaking to a, a lady yesterday in the, in the retirement uh, center at, um, uh, over there in, in uh, Freeport. They have a, a nice community center, and a lot of retirees will, will volunteer. And She was a volunteer, and we began to talk. And she said, you know, boy, I wish someone could talk to my husband tell him not to be so grumpy. She says, I wish he got what you have. So I was telling her about the joy of the Lord and all that. She said, because he's so grumpy. And she said, now I tell him. Why would you waste the last years of your life being grumpy? I think we need to ask Christians that. Oh, let's put it this way. I get a look in the mirror and say, Bob, I get to let you know. <laughs> She's saying, Amen. <laughs> I'll better bring it home, right? I told you the, a few weeks ago that I got a flat tire on my trailer, and, and, and I, I drove for about a quarter of a mile in denial, <laughs> making believe it didn't happen. But as nothing I could do, it happened. <laughs> and it was 90-some degrees out, and it was on the side that was on the pavement, so I had to get, you know, lay on the pavement. I just tell you all this. I didn't have the right equipment. The sweat was pouring off of me. And a man stopped. And he changed the tire for me. You know what I did? Praise the Lord? No. I got in my car and complained about how hot it was. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, wait a minute. I just sent a guy to change the tire for you. And you're going to sit here and complain? <laughs> well, Lord, you got a point. <laughs> you got a point, Lord. But what we need to understand is, are we grateful today? Are we thankful? But you know, I think of that man, and you know something? He said, I had so much hate. But he said, I, learned, I found the love of Jesus. He was so filled with the, you know, the Spirit. Man, he was contagious. We was all preaching. It, was, it made that hour go real quick. Because he had a right attitude. He didn't focus on the fact that he was raised by a prostitute and his daddy was a pimp, the pimp of his, of his mother. Or that he had a loveless life. He said, I used to focus on that stuff and it made me mean. It sent me to prison, he said. 
But when I found Jesus, or should I say when Jesus found him, he said, God lifted away those burdens. As Christians, don't let those things come back. Paul said this one thing I do, not looking back. You see, that's what the media wants us to do. They want us to look back and stir up within us something that we can't change. I can't change my past. You can't change your past. But if the devil can get you looking back, he can stir up in you the things that God has rescued you from. I promise you, no matter how hard your life was, there's always somebody with a worse story. I remember years ago, I was just a young man. Then I wasn't married even yet. And because of my testimony, churches would have me come and, and testify about the glory and the power of God. And the pastor said, yeah, well, I just want to introduce a guy, a hardcore drug addict, blah, blah, blah. And he went on and on and on. And I'm looking down there, and there's a guy with a patch and a hook on his hand. <laughs> I'm there, Pastor, shut up. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, how am I going to... Oh, how, how am I going to do this? This guy was a, a hardcore motorcycle guy who lived a harder life than me, I'm sure, by a long shot. But I get up and talked about the love of Jesus. I get up to say, thank Jesus that he loved me. Thank God that he called me out. I don't know why. There was nothing in me that was good. But Jesus reached down and he lifted me out of the miry clay. That was one of my favorite songs. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet, remember that? On a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. There's always been conspiracies and things of that sort. For a long time, when I was younger, I, I got into shortwave radio and, and begun to, to feed on uh, all these conspiracies. And, and, and you know, and, 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 you know and I, wow, this is real. This is true and all that. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, what are you focusing on? Evil's out there. Evil's out there. Evil's all around. But he said, what are you focusing on? And you know what the Lord is saying to Habakkuk? If you read Habakkuk chapter 1 and 2, you're going you're, you're to see that, that uh, and you go home, when you go home and read that, and you're going to see that God was very, very displeased. And he said, judgment will come. I'm going to tell you what, judgment will come to this world. Every knee shall Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he's the Christ. He's the living God. He's the great one. But are we grateful today? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thank God that we could go to church today. You know, there are countries you can't. My grandmother used to say to me, eat all your food. Somebody in the other part of the world is starving. 
I got pretty big. I ate mine and everybody else. No. <laughs> Somebody else is starving. I better put the pounds on. No. But what? <laughs> but really, we need to be grateful. Be grateful for the things. Maybe it's your children. And you can be grateful for the Thank you, God, that I have my children. Yeah, I lost two grandchildren, but thank God for the ones that I have. And you know what? I still have the two in heaven. I'm just going to meet them someday. People, because they're fixed on something, they lose their life. They lose their liberty. They lose their joy. A story I once heard years back was about a pastor that they, they suspected that that pastor was cheating on his wife. You know what I mean? You know, I think, I don't know, but, you know, the door was closed and, and, and the secretary was there. You, you know what I mean? Little, you know, yep, 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 yep. And so one time that sister so-and-so was in the back of the pew and she was always known to cut a rug. She was all, all, they said when she got going, she would fling her hair and the bobby pins were like missiles. <laughs> and all of a sudden when they were all in the church and people were, were glum and, and, and acting sober and all of a sudden she got up and she started doing that shake. And they knew and when she began to do the shake that the, the rest of it was coming soon. And somebody sitting next to her says, didn't you hear the news? She said, I ain't going to let no backslid preacher keep me from glorifying God. What keeps you from glorifying God? What keeps you from the joy of the Holy Ghost? What keeps us from being contagious to this world? Whitefield became, well, Benjamin Franklin became Whitefield's best friend. And Benjamin Franklin was a deist. A deist believes there is a God, but he doesn't have much to do with our day-to-day -day activities. When Whitefield believed that the, uh, God was very much in concerned with every step you make, in fact, the steps of the righteous are called of the Lord. But you know what? They still became friends. I mean, if you study Benjamin Franklin, you'll find he, he's the one who invented the fire department. Just about anything you know, that guy, I mean, he must work 24-7. Went to France and he won the whole, the nation over to like him. But Whitefield was the big part of the second reformation of this country because this country, their hearts were waxing cold. They were beginning to look at money. They were beginning to look at wealth. Even Benjamin Franklin wrote a book on how to get wealthy. But you know, when you focus on the thing, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not peace, not meat, nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Did, did you hear about the election? Down in my heart, down in my heart, I've got that joy, joy, joy. You know what? People are going to think you're crazy, but they may come a little closer. It may, they might get affected by the power of the Holy Ghost. You know how many people out there today are hurting? Last night, right across the street, they had a big party. I wonder how they're feeling today. <laughs> but the fact of it is, is what we have, the world needs. Amen. I was saying to Jeremy, because he was saying, well, you know, what will this organization do for me? Hey, what, what matters what an organization will do? What will you do? What will you do? I'm going to get on fire for Jim. I'm going to tell you this right now. We've got to shut the TV off. Get on YouTube, and, and, and I'll tell you, there's so much stuff there that will just recharge your battery. Many of us are running on empty. We haven't been plugged in in a while. I was saying to the men's group last night, I said, you know something? I said, you begin to look at the naked girl, and before you know it, you'll be peeking in a window. You see, that's what perversion does. It begins with something that might seem harmless. You just took a look. But see, the devil will coach us in. How do people become perverted to things? By giving to it. You know, Paul said there is no sin that's not common to man. But if we let ourselves go that way, but by the grace of God, there go I. You know, we could become judgmental. Well, I don't understand these people on welfare. I work and blah, blah, blah. You know what? That's, that's self-righteousness. That is saying that because I conduct my life the way I do, I'm good, and I'll go to heaven. The Bible said our righteousness is like filthy rags. Until we come to the conclusion of that, there's no stairway to heaven other than through the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. What is the difference between rules and legalism? Rules are healthy. I'm glad we have stop signs. This brother right here, so I wish more people would appreciate it, right? He had, say, he had a truck drive right through a, a blinking red light and strike him and, and, and put him in a, a physical condition that's been very hard for him over the years. So I'm sure if anybody appreciates the rule of a stop sign, you do. Rules are good. But rules will never get you to heaven. When does a rule become legalism? It becomes legalism when we say this rule gets you closer to God. The only way I get close to God is by His mercy and His grace. And I'll tell you what, He humbles me every day. And I say, God, how could you put up with me? How could you love me? He said, that's a deep subject, Bob. I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh.
being grateful. Lord, I thank and praise you because of who you are. Jesus came not for the religion. I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you right now, you can get religious and not know God. You can become Pentecostal. And you can learn a few stammering things to, like, you, you know what I'm saying, and not know God. It's easy for me to get into anything, observe what's around me, and, and duplicate it. It's easy for me to do that. But you know what? God said, I want you to know me. I want you to spend that time with me. I want you to walk with me in the cool of the morning. He said, I really enjoyed my time with Adam. Every morning I would go out in the cool and there I would find Adam. And then one day he said, I couldn't find Adam. We see people don't come to church anymore. It's like God saying, that's what Adam did. Somebody said one time, well, I'm not, I refuse to be a hypocrite, so I'm not going to go and be a hypocrite. I said, that's pride. That's pride. How many of God hates pride? In the Welchville revival, they said, bend us, O Lord, bend us. I'll tell you this right now, we need, we need the Lord to bend us. We need to get on fire for him. I'll tell you, when the, when the, when the darker it gets, the, light of the, the bright of the light will shine. You'll become a beacon. Hallelujah. It says in Romans 1.20, because they, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. In Colossians 3 and 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body. He said, And be ye thankful. And be ye thankful. You see, that's that's a state of being. That's a state. You choose that right now. You choose. You choose what you think. The Bible said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Will you serve those negative thoughts or will you serve me? There's always going to be gossip. There's always going to be uh, criticism. There's always going to be those things. But I think of that, that man who went to Azusa's tree and began the revival uh, uh, there through him. He refused to be offended. Remember the woman when she came and, and <coughs> needed healing from the Lord? And Jesus said, is it meat to give the bread that are meant for the children unto dogs? How many people in the church would walk out of the church if they'd been called a dog? Saying, I ain't going back there again. <laughs> How dare you? She said, yes, pastor, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. 
from under the table. She refused. She refused to be angry. How many know that that's a choice? People are going to look at your past. I, I, I said to, to my brother back here, you know, because, you know, I've got a, a bit of a criminal record. I got this, that, and the other. How are people going to look at me? I said, you know what? I said, people are going to look at it the way they want to. I said, but if you get filled with the Holy Ghost and power and you begin to let this thing flow out of you, they're going to see Jesus, not you. And everybody's going to be wanting to be associated with you. Right? Amen. Everybody's going to want to be associated with you because you got something that they want. The world will never receive you, but the world will never receive any of us either, because we're not of this world. We're of our Father in heaven. Jesus said, they'll hate you because he said they hated me. And he said, it isn't you that they'll hate, but it's me that's in you that they'll hate. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm, I'm winding down here. They knew that if they bowed before the king, it didn't matter. It was inevitable. Whether our God save us or whether he doesn't, we're going to worship him. You see, because of their obedience, because of their attitude, because of their gratefulness. Nebuchadnezzar got to see Jesus. See, they could have presented a theological argument about why God is real and never have gotten the results that they got by being thrown into that fire. He was so angry with them that he wanted to make a statement. And he said, heat that furnace seven times hotter. That even those that, got, that threw these Hebrew children into the fire were consumed. Because they got too close to the heat to throw them in. And the king looked down and he said, I don't only see three in the fire walking around. I've got their joy, 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 joy down. I can't kill them. Could you imagine? And, and he said, but I see a fourth. And he said he was likened unto the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar became a believer for a while. That experience, he said, they have the true God. Don't be afraid of the fire. Because it might be the greatest testimony that somebody will ever see. You know, we can go down through and see Daniel and, and, and we can look at all the things, how David, you know, when they destroyed the city that he'd come, Ziklag, would he come back to, that they had taken all the women and children and everything that he had done and, and they questioned his leadership and, and, and you know, the, the Bible said they even sought to stone him. But you know what David did? He encouraged himself in the Lord. Where would Israel be if David had not been focused on Jesus? 
we wait for somebody when God's waiting on us. Let me say it again. We wait for somebody when God is waiting on us. Who am I? Born in Westbrook, a poor boy that whose dad was an alcoholic and, and, and a drug addict by prescription, by a mom that was a teenager and, and, and got thrust into life early. By all of that, who am I? Who are you? But God said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the one that I raised up. Stop looking for another when I've sent you. If revival doesn't come, it's because we didn't seek it. There's great things ahead for Harvest Hills Church. There's great things ahead for you. There is an unction of the Holy Ghost that He's put within you. And I'm telling you what, it's going to break forth. We've all coasted. We've all been comfortable. We've all been guilty of that at times. You know, when things are going good, I might sleep a little longer. <sighs> TV's working just right. I got a 55 inch now. I've got 200 channels. Of course, half of them, half of them are sales. But <laughs> I like my man soaps on Discovery. As the gold rush turns, and <laughs> we can laugh at ourselves, can't we? I, you know, you know what? And, and I don't mean to go on here, but what I'm telling you is like, as I think of Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh, but after he went to Nineveh, and the people obeyed and repented, and God forgave them. He went under a tree or a gourd. And he's thinking under here, it is nice. Shade. Ooh, there's a breeze. Things are going great. And you know what God did? He sent a worm in that gourd and killed it. <laughs> what do you mean my TV doesn't work? What's a power surge anyway? <laughs> How could the cable company have cut me off? Why, I paid him a few months ago. <laughs> See, God sometimes makes our lives uncomfortable because he's got a better life for us. Sometimes he's got to take that job. Sometimes he's got to, he's got, he's got to take something from you so that so that you so that it puts a fire on your back end to say you know what I think of the ten lepers would they say why sit we here and 
die. I mean, if they kill us, what did we lose? Sometimes we've got to just come to that place. And God says, you know what? I'll make it as uncomfortable as I have to because I love you too much to leave you that way. It's time, church. I'm going to close that daycare. I'm going to, you know, I gave you guys a ride for a while and it was important. I'm not saying it wasn't and, and, and it helped for a while. But you know what? Time to shut that little thing off. The bird isn't going to be flying from the king's table anymore. And the brook that gave you the water is going to get dried up. Because I have a message. I want you to go to that woman, Jezebel. I want you to tell her her days are numbered. I'll tell you, the devil's days are numbered. Don't be angry at Nancy Pelosi. Feel sorry for her. Feel sorry for these people that are pushing something that's so anti-God. God opened their eyes to see. That's what Jesus said. He looked over, the, over, over Jerusalem during the Passover. It was just before he was going to be crucified. And the Bible said he wept. And he said, Father, only if they knew who was among them. Only if they knew that all of the answers were here. And yet they seek another. Pray for them. God, open their eyes to see. Hallelujah, Jesus. You know... Brother said he faced some prejudice in, you know, in the military, and I know there was a lot of it there. Because the devil hates whites, blacks, Hispanic. He hates them all. God, devil hates humans. <laughs> he hates us. If he could turn us against one another, if he could. Create, you, you see what I mean? I'm going to tell you something else. The devil hates Democrats. <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> They'll be betrayed, according to the Bible. All those that usher the Antichrist into power will be betrayed by him. Not uncommon for a revolution that is unjust. They say Castro killed thousands of people that were loyal to him. Because if they knew how to get him in power, they might know how to get him out. So we'll exterminate them. That's what the devil does. He uses people. And he'll use you if he can. Do you know the devil would have no power at all if no human... Would let him, you know, he'd be the most frustrated entity. If he couldn't have found a Hitler, there wouldn't have been a World War II. But the Bible said the devil goes to and fro. And here on my second sermon, I, I just feel the anointing up here. <laughs> I want to ride on that wave. 
talking to a preacher here not long ago on the telephone. And we'd talked for about 45 minutes. I was kind of getting phonier. And finally, I said something, and I said, Brother, forget it. I said, I know you'll get six points on what I just said. We're preachers. Cut it out. (laughs) Time to end the phone call. But I want you to know that you are loved. But God is saying, stop waiting for somebody else. I'm waiting for you. What will you do today? Don't let fear inhibit what God can and will do in and through you. Say something kind to somebody today. Amen. Show the glory of the Lord and his countenance and his presence. Let it be upon your face. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you so much, brother, for that anointing. I always love it when he comes. Hallelujah. I had several pages of notes, and I think I only read three scriptures off of all of it, and the rest of it was the Holy Ghost. Isn't that the best way? Amen. But the thing is, is I want you to know there's great days ahead for Harvest Hills Church. Great, great days ahead. And we will be a part of that. And you know, I'm going to be stepping out for a while because I want to give this message to other people. I want to I be able to do that. I want the freedom to do that. But you'll always be dear to my heart, and I want you to know this. If anything ever went wrong, I said, I want to be back. Now, don't go sabotaging it on them. <laughs> yeah, this don't work. We get past back. <laughs> but know this one thing. There are, great day, there are great things ahead for every one of you. Jesus is coming soon. What we do, we must do quickly. Amen?